2: Bake with a Legend offer fans of the Great British Bake Off the chance to bake alongside their favourite stars from the show. If you're planning a special birthday, a hen party, or perhaps in charge of your next work social, why not get in touch with us to discuss arranging an event for you? We also offer Bake with a Legend at home, where one of our Bake Off alumni can come and lead a baking class in your own accommodation. Just imagine that, Howard or Jane coming round and teaching you afternoon tea. For more information, visit bakewithalegend.com or email info at
1: The experience, it is one of the most special things in my life. I'd go back and do it all again tomorrow. And I think that is testament to what a joyous thing it is to do. And I would encourage anybody that says, I couldn't possibly do it. But you don't know unless you try. And if you want to be part of it, I'm sure the application form is online now ready for the next series. If you're in the slightest bit tempted, don't hang back. Just fill that application form in and go for it because... It's huge fun and you meet such lovely people and make such good friends.
2: Hello and welcome for the final time, I can't believe I'm saying it, welcome for the final time this series to the Bakedown podcast. We have enjoyed reviewing this Bake Off series so much and uh, we're all so sad it's over but as ever I am joined by Jane and Howard as we digest the week that was in the tent and it, and it was a tremendous final one we all really enjoyed watching but, Howard, it is sad. It is tinged with regret having to sit here and not have our weekly meetings. I know we get to see each other fairly regularly during our classes, but the idea that we won't be getting together you know, every Wednesday to do this is, is really sad.
0: I know, it is sad. I, I, um, I know we've not got to the point in, in the show where it's Howard's hump, but I suppose that could have been one of my humps this week, that, that it is the last one. It, it means that parents. we're not going
1: to be meeting under the clock at St Pancras Station.
0: Oh, no. How well, we can we can still meet. But can we? we? Just, yes, if you wish.
1: Going back to another episode. <laughs> Should we go to the local Costa and hope somebody's going to come and recognise us? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I thought what you were going to suggest, I've had people who have been emailing into the show going, would you like to retrospectively do podcasts on Series 9, 8, seven, six, five, we could go all the way back. and What a for, good idea. Yeah. We, could, we could be have this entire archive of every episode, so there is a, an accompanying podcast. I mean, we could J- Jane commenting on herself and Howard commenting <laughs> on himself. Yeah, that Howard, he was terrible this week, or Jane, uh. yeah, he was so that is a, an option, but I suspect probably one we won't explore, but look, who knows, and we, we very much have, have loved doing it, and, and particularly because of all the kind comments that have been coming in, and, and this one was from Hanny Young, uh, left on the Apple Podcast Review. Myself and my friend Emma bake off obsessed. We watch religiously every week, message each other through every episode. We watch Extra Slice and now get to listen to this podcast. We particularly love hearing about Howard being hungover. It's wonderful and what we've always wanted. Well, that's very kind. Uh, uh, (laughs) They've
0: always wanted me to be hungover.
2: (laughs) I think they wanted to hear stories about you being hungover. So if you've got any that you haven't yet told us about being... uh, being a bit hungover oh, in the what tent. what happens
1: then... in the tent stays in the tent. Oh, I think,
2: yeah. eh? no, no, no. I would say keep telling your friends about the podcast because if they, they can, of course, listen back, the podcast will stay there. So uh, if uh, if you've got friends and family who are, are not yet um, watched the whole of a series, they can still find our podcast forever. I think that's the, that's, that's the internet, isn't it now, Howard? It's there forever. It's there forever, yes,
0: exactly. Including um, shots of me. There, there is a shot, have I mentioned about me running? wanna know because I they, when they do the backstory on Bakeoff there is um, they, they do shots of you doing things at home like taking in case to work and they came and filmed me doing some running in a park uh, in Sheffield and then when I saw this, uh, oh, it was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> I have to say, do not let the first time you see yourself running be on national TV. And they showed this, <laughs> did they on TV? They did show it on
2: TV. Do you think when you mentioned last week about someone thinking you were in the running club, maybe it was connected to seeing that, that it could VTU. be?
0: Yes, yeah. No, I think that was a long distance walking club, wasn't it? So, but then again, maybe I'll just walk quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, somebody put it on on YouTube, so you can do a search for Howard Bake Off running. Oh, I'm and gonna have to live. that. They've slowed it down and put it to the music from Baywatch, and it's.
1: <laughs> Shall I do that now? No, I'll do it after.
0: that. Our will time. be there forever. Did won't you do it
1: in in little red swimming shorts? Then? No,
0: I did do it. I, I have to say, I, it was it was filmed uh, in spring, and my legs hadn't been out uh, all winter. Uh, so I put my shorts on, and they did look pale. Someone, uh, there was a journalist who said Howard has, has legs the colour of raw batter.
2: <laughs> oh <my laughs> I like, know, be so, so, cruel.
1: Cruel. <laughs> so cruel, so
2: cruel. We enjoy it. We got to see a bit of backstory this week, actually, which we'll, we'll come on to. There hasn't been too much backstory at all. Has there? Has there been any this series up till no, now? I very think little we've se- bit, maybe. I think we've seen that. a little bit,
0: yeah. But we we were saying uh, earlier that, that we've not seen a lot of. The kind of uh, home life of, of this year's bakers, really.
1: Yeah, we were. We were saying it on the trains. We were coming yeah. up, weren't we? No.
2: Well, there we go. I don't know
1: why. Maybe it's because there are 13 bakers and it's just taken up so much time, or oh, I don't I don't know.
2: Well, questions have continued to fly in, and I'm going to have to apologise at this point. We won't get to all of them during our podcast, but uh, we really do appreciate everyone that sent one in. This one comes, um, it's really directed at you, Jane, from Rob Jenkins in Plymouth. Jane, do you ever find out who came second and third or are you just labeled a joint runner up? Thank you so much for doing this podcast. It's a good question because mm.
1: it's it's a very good question and one that Andrew and I have asked ourselves very many times who came second in our final. No, you don't you don't get to find out. Um it, there's no loser in the final, there is just the winner. However, Andrew and I did the Christmas show last year's Christmas special. And we had took this as our personal little battle to work out who actually came second and who came third. <coughs> I think you won, I, I did you, dust off you, my uh, yeah. winner's cake plate yesterday, Andrew. So uh, I guess now we know. No, I think you don't need to know who comes second or third. It, it is just lovely yes. that, to be there in the final. Yeah. There's um, no runners up prize. So to speak. There is no so runners up prize to, uh, at all. to need to win. No.
2: Saying that, Jane, we... Just, I'm sure people will be interested to think back to your memories of the final and going in there. Presumably, you'd had to do a lot of practice every week—week week six, seven, eight, nine. You don't—you only have so much time, right? You can only practice for that week ahead of the final in the same way. Or did you find you were up in the middle of a night, three in the morning, because it was going to be the final?
1: No, you don't really have that much time. You—you you also don't get a, a huge amount of notice for the final. You know, I think we only found out. I I don't, I I can't remember, but maybe semi-finalists knew. So you don't get an awful lot of time to do it. And you then just have to fit it in with your day job or your family in the same way as you've, you've fitted in all your practice. So I would say you have less time to think about the final than you do of any other bakes, which is ironic considering it's going to be possibly your most important. Is it? I don't know. You're there after all. I don't know. The final is a—it's just something brilliant and special, and a bit like today. You know, we're a little bit demor happy because yeah. this is our last one. But you're taking it quite seriously, and and although. We would all say it doesn't matter who wins and we certainly wouldn't tread over anybody in order to win. We, we're there because we're competitive enough to keep our stamina going for 10 weeks and I think it is a stamina thing. You do see people flag. It's an exhausting process to get through. Um, and you just go in and you do your best and it goes by in a whirlwind.
2: Howard, you would have gone back to the final mm. as, as someone who had gone out um, a few weeks prior what was the atmosphere like for all of you who weren't involved in the final was it were you excited to get back and be around it
0: well, it was lovely i remember us having some shots taken with the um some group shots with the aprons back on and it it does feel lovely to be back in that that kind of family again but it was particularly nice to be sharing some of that bake off experience with friends and family as well you know, so the people that that you've taken along with you, is it, it's it's lovely. How many people were you allowed to bring? A, a couple of people? I think they said enough to fit in a car. And I think I I sort of thought, oh, well, you can get a very big car, can't you? So
2: I think <laughs> I probably took about five or six people along with me. I like the idea. There was a, a stretch limo going yeah. down the M1 How from many people Sheffield? can
1: you get in a Mini? I think yeah. <laughs> that's what it used to be. a
2: is that the, that's the, the, the rough amount. So you you were able to bring people. What's interesting, I imagine, is that because it's not been on air at the, at the time you go down, all your friends and family wouldn't, wouldn't recognize anyone else. It wouldn't be like, oh, when there's, because you, no, you must have to just introduce no. people and go, well, this, you are going to recognize this person a few months time when it's goes on TV. Yeah. So you had the opportunity to introduce to some of your the people that have become your friends.
0: Absolutely, and it and it it is a strange uh, arrangement. Well, it's a strange situation, really, that the fact that you are uh, introducing them to people who will be known at some point, but just not not
2: now. Yeah, you can get in there early, following on social media, be one of the first followers (laughs) before the uh, before everyone else flocks. And and Jane presumably. You being in the final didn't mean you could bring any more or less people. It was the same yes, number. Yes, we could. You we could bring more we, we people.
1: Bring more people. How I were you to think you We were allowed nine or ten, I think. I we oh, thought you were going to say coach. No. <laughs> <like that> <laughs> yeah, how many no, so It's like you went
2: out ten. in week one, you were allowed what? one person. You, you go out in week two, you can bring two. That's how it should be. So all of you get to the final, ten, ten, ten each.
1: Um, I think. I think, I can't really remember, but I think it was about nine or ten. I think it depends how many other guests and things there are there. But it's a, it's a very strange experience being in the tent. We had a very, very long showstopper. We were five hours, maybe producing this a picnic for the Queen or royal picnic,
0: mm.
1: and um, because the tent has those sort of clear plastic sides, so they're quite clear. They're you know plastic, so they're a bit, bit like bit like some of those glass boxes last mm. week for on semi final. You can see people arriving outside from about two o'clock and but you can't see them well enough, but you're not allowed to go out and talk to anybody. Um and they're all milling around and we still had hours. I don't think, I can't remember what time we came out of the tent, I don't think we came out till about five o'clock. We had mm-hmm. such a long day. But if you head off to go to the loo you suddenly hear, from everybody that's there for the picnic. And that was bizarre. People go, there's a baker. It's like twitches following a rare bird that's just arrived from the <laughs> continent. It's like, ray as you walk on, And that's really lovely. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm welling up even Aww. thinking about it. I mean, it's just lovely. It was absolutely lovely, but sad because like, like Howard, I absolutely love being in that tent. Every single minute of it, even when it was going a bit wrong, um, and to think that that's the last time. Well, from, luckily for both of us, we went back and did Christmas and Christmas mm. specials. Um, but to think it was the last time, it, it was, was quite sad because you know the people are lovely, all the crew are lovely, the experience, I think. I'm not going to say it's the best thing in my life because I've had children and, and a lovely husband and all that, but it is one of the most special things in my life and I, I would go back and do it all again tomorrow mm-hmm. and I think that is testament to how well we are looked after um, and what a joyous thing it is to do. And I would encourage anybody that says, oh, God, you must be so brave or, oh, you're so nervous, I couldn't possibly do it, but well, you don't know unless you try. And if you want to be part of it, I'm sure the application form is online now, ready for the next series. If you're in the slightest bit tempted, don't hang back. Just fill that application form in and go for it because it's huge fun. Mm. Huge, huge fun. And you meet such lovely people and make such good friends.
2: Well, we'll talk much more about the final and some more of your, your memories, no doubt, Jane, as we go through this. But firstly, we've got our final self-raising selfie story of the entire podcast series. This one comes from Rachel Holloway in Clapham. Thank you for getting in touch, Rachel. It said, guys, I'm so sad your podcast is nearly finished. Thank you for taking the time to do it, and I hope to come and join a class with you soon. You're very welcome Rachel Perhaps I was we ought listening... to
1: do a the double handed class huh, yes. Perhaps we should yes. Come and meet the podcast team
2: I was listening with interest to your recent podcast I can confirm I saw Ian Waters in a central London Costa During his series
1: <laughs> That's Costa again
2: From memory he was having a brownie with his coffee Having seen what he was having as I walked past I decided I would have one too And a friend once got a selfie with Louis Troyano In a service station but she doesn't recall If there was a Costa there but I thought you'd like to know <laughs> Rachel, we uh, we love this. We're glad to know you have secured what we assumed was the case, that Costa is the, the cafeteria of choice um, for ex-bake-off <laughs> contestants. So uh, thank you for letting us know that you saw Ian Waters in there and that he had a brownie. Um howard you, you you'd probably have a brownie if you walked in. Do you find it hard not to, to go for a little cake, You're just getting a coffee? Do you always have to have something with it? No, because I've not got a terribly sweet tooth.
0: So I I tend to I've got a weakness for crisps, I have to say. Bags of
2: crisps. Uh so I, I quite often
0: will will end up with a bag of crisps. Yeah.
2: But I just feel like I like the idea. I, I think what I'm inferring from this email we had in from Rachel is that because she felt that if the brownie's good enough for Ian to have she would follow suit yeah so she obviously thinks well he's a good baker he's a good judge of what i should be having in here yeah and she's she's gone <laughs> for the brownie as well
1: i'm not sure that's the way it, did he leave any on his plate because that is yeah. much a better indicator of what the brownie's like isn't I'd say it? rachel
2: should let's let us know it. it might be until the first episode of next year if indeed we <laughs> hope we do it because then we find out
0: I was once in M&S and a woman said, uh, oh, don't worry about my husband, he's just having a look what you've got in your basket. As if, again, <laughs> that kind of recommendation. It's a bit
1: rude, isn't yes. it? Poking about in your basket. Yes.
2: Well, Well, before <laughs> like Two we... bottles
1: of gin, probably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> before we get into this week's episode, there was this little montage, wasn't there, Howard? Just briefly at the start of this week, where we saw a few highlights of this year's series. We saw Rosie's dropped cake, of course. We saw... Uh, Jamie admiring what he called his own dog's <laughs> dinner. Jamie all the way back in week two. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, two weeks of Jamie, and yet um, he's fairly memorable. Um, there was this nice kind of reflective look on on the series, and, and I know we haven't yet gone through the the final. But just are there any sort of key moments you'll take from this series as, as your most memorable? Um, I, do, do you know? I think any any moment where somebody has had a
0: bit of a meltdown and and then has kind of pulled themselves together a bit and shown that they can at least put something on the end of the bench or on the on the judging table. Uh, and hats off to anybody who does that because we've we've all been there in that situation where you think that this is the end, um, and you you you're not going to be able to to get a bake uh, finished or it's just gone disastrously wrong and I think you know if if you just take that moment and take a bit of a deep breath and have a have a go I can think of people like like Rosie with her technical last week and and Michael you know just just managing to do something Uh, I, I think that's really it's
2: the kind of spirit of Bake Off really. Jane, any key moments or incidents think, that stand out from series ten?
1: I I don't think anything stands out in in particular. I would I would agree totally with Howard about the um, determination and refusing to give up, which I think is a brilliant thing for anybody to take away from that. But also the warmth and the camaraderie, and I know we certainly had that in our series, um, and they it's a quite a nice lesson in life, isn't it that if you see somebody struggling and you are able to help mm. go um, and and help you know hold sit in the tent, hold something arm round shoulder, words of encouragement, and let's not forget it's a competition and if somebody drops everything on the floor, there's a good chance they'll go home and you won't. And yet people still go and help each other. And I think it's a very lovely way to go through life and and what with the determination not to fail and to put something on a plate and to help each other. I think it's very heartwarming. And in a time where there is so much stuff going on in the world, If we can all be a bit more like the bakers in the tent, then I think the world would be a better place, quite Mm. honestly. I think it's very warm and lovely.
2: Well said. I think that we saw it several times, didn't we, during the series, the sentiment of wanting to to help others, even when everyone's in a a rush and everyone's in a stressful situation. I think the amount they've also shown um, Noel and Sandy going up to people and reassuring them and telling them they can do it and not to let the anxiety get above them has been a a recurring theme almost of every week and uh, an important message Mm. to, to show. So as we go into assessing and delving into what was a wonderful final week, we, we saw all three of them talking before they even went in to do their signature. Um, Alice was kind of built up as someone who'd gone on this journey with ups and downs. Steph, of course, had, had the Hollywood handshake, four star bakers, And it was presented to us, Howard, that David was the underdog. You know, I think he described himself in that way, that, you know, no star Bakers, which we said on last week's podcast, the first person to go into a final with no star Bakers since it became a a 10-week format. And did you feel like he was the underdog or did you actually think he's been remarkably consistent, more than anyone, and therefore could potentially be in quite a good position? I think it's interesting because
0: I had to double-check that he hadn't been a star baker because it's it's in the back of your mind, you think he's done some absolutely brilliant bakes. At some point, he must have been star baker And the fact that he wasn't, I think, is, is partly, as we were saying last week, it's partly just that someone has pipped him to the post. In technicals, he's come second so many times but has been so consistent at being able to deliver on, on those technicals. Um, And it, it's just that somebody else has, has just pipped him, really. Um, so I don't think it was that he hasn't, has never deserved to be Starbaker by any means. I think he's just been a bit unlucky, really.
1: I, I would completely agree. I'd, I was quite surprised when he said he was the underdog. And I think he probably says that because he hasn't had Starbaker and Alison's had two and Steph's had four. I think. If he hasn't been pipped, he's pipped himself by putting maybe a teaspoon too much alcohol. I mean, I think it's been that close yeah. mm-hmm. some of the times. and Or maybe he's had a brilliant signature and and a good showstopper and not such a good technical or whatever. It's been such small amounts each time. I think they all went in pretty even, actually. I, I couldn't pick a winner out of that lot.
0: I think it... I think it's interesting as well that I think reflecting on this year's group of bakers, I think David has has stood out as being someone who's prepared to try something a little bit different, to take a slightly different approach to, to certain things. And quite often on the flavour front, that hasn't always worked. But he's still stuck by that principle of just trying to do something a little bit different. Um, And it was very much like that in in our year with with Frances Quinn, that she was doing something a little bit different. Kim Joy was was doing something a a bit different last year. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's great to maintain that that truth to yourself, really.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think he is the one that has demonstrated, I think, a broad experience of several different bakes where I would say some of the youngsters uh, have lacked perhaps that little bit of experience. Mm. And also he has been prepared to just push the boundaries that little bit. It's very difficult when you are preparing your recipes for these things because you want – to, you want to push the boundaries a bit because you have, you assume you're up against absolutely brilliant bakers and indeed they all are in their own way um, and they're going to be pushing the boat out. So you want to find something that's just going to pit them at each level. And I would say David, yes, has been more adventurous as opposed to Steph, who is an astounding baker, but actually has done much more conventional stuff. Mm. You know, if you think about her... Um, we saw tart the, tatan the it, goat's cheese on top. Yes, yes. Tart yeah. t- t- tatan was just really shallots, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, this this week she was she played it much more safe. She's very. Benjamin would have described it as old school which, which, which i think she meant i was old when she was describing me <laughs> as old school but she's much more old school type bakes and and much more conventional and i think yeah. that's where david has probably um, just edged it
2: mm. in terms of this signature this week howard the challenge was to make an ultimate chocolate cake it needed to be a masterpiece creative impressive beautifully decorated to a professional standard, and they got two hours for this. Paul said they could use cocoa, but he wanted to see chocolate and uh, keep it mm. even and beautiful on the outside and the inside and all about the uh, the timing. Prue said, it might sound simple. We do not want a bog standard chocolate cake. We want something really chocolatey, decadent, astonishingly good flavour and great decoration. Given that they were expected to make a very chocolatey cake, were you surprised? It was Alice, didn't it, who just went for cocoa powder. Was that a surprise because... As soon as that was mentioned, it sensed, we might hear more about that.
0: I think it's uh, I think it's difficult, because obviously when you get the brief and you're working to that, you will read certain things. So you want it, you will pick out the fact that you want it chocolatey, want some decoration on there, wants to be, you know, obviously this is the final, wants to be a really stunning chocolate cake. Um, and I, I think she may have read that and decided, right, I'm going to put most of my efforts into the decoration on this. I'm going to keep it quite simple, but I'm going to go um, quite elaborate on decoration, which is what I think I think she did with the shards and, and so on. Um, whereas I think David took the opposite approach and was thinking about the kind of flavours that are going into this and I'll keep it simple on the outside. So I think sometimes it's just how different people interpret um, that brief really
2: So Jane just in terms of Alice she decorated with a dark chocolate ganache drip she had maple cheese cream, buttercream shards of this hazelnut brittle as well as pears poached in red wine and, and cinnamon uh, there was a lot going on there
1: Oh just you listening to you say it so there was a lot going on and I think Prue or Paul said normally you're quite restrained and th- there's a lot on the chop. top yeah, again, again it's the final isn't it? She did say this is the chocolate cake I always make and I think given that it's the final and you probably haven't got that much time to prepare, you want to go with a tried and tested recipe. Um, so I don't, I'm not a great chocolate cake fan. Um, I, you know, I have to confess, I make Mary berries, um, Mary berries, death by chocolate cake, um, which she doesn't put any chocolate in, but lots of chocolate on and cocoa powder. Um, because I, I don't like chocolate cake very much. Um, but I think she's gone with a tried and tested recipe. And, and then, pimped it up to try and make it final worthy. And I think she went a bit too far. I, I felt sorry for her. I, I fancy the idea of the pear in it. I thought it mm. seemed to work well. It didn't seem to sink in the cake. I'm sure it gave a nice moisture to it. Um, it just all, oh dear, what have I written here? It was like, oh, a bit of a mess. And I went, oh, poor Alice. I did feel sorry for her. It did look, it did look probably one of her least best or yeah. Can you say worst? I'd, I'd, i just really didn't think it looked very good.
2: Well, Prue's first impression on it was it was wobbly and clumsy and highlighted how usually Alice is very delicate, but she did say the texture was lovely and it was light and almost a bit of disagreement. Like it seemed Prue was trying to stick up for it because Paul had um you know, argued it should have been more chocolatey. Um it was a good cake, not a not a great chocolate cake. We did see a bit of backstory that i mentioned howard and we saw and met alice's parents who said that she'd been baking since a child and it was uh, easy for her to, to put the effort in and they taught her to prepare well and think things through and i love this uh, comment one of her parents said with good management you don't need good luck I found that slightly ironic, given they were the ones that had trouble managing to arrive (laughs) for their daughter's biggest day of her life. Oh, oh. Oh, that's cruel. I think so. I think that's
1: cruel, Josh. Do Do you
2: know what? I'm I'm obviously being incredibly (laughs) light-hearted. It's worth mentioning that she mentioned they had a wedding and that's why they were in Ireland. Yeah. Now, be honest here, Howard. When we heard about the drama, that they may not make it for the final because they're in Dublin, did you or didn't you think they were going to make it? Oh,
0: I thought they were going to make it, yes.
2: I th- <laughs> I was in no doubt they were going to make it. I'll tell you why. Because I did a bit of research on this. There are 58 daily flights <laughs> from Dublin to the London area. I thought oh. if there's one cancelled flight, they'll be all right. I mean, there was no volcanic ash cloud a few months ago no. that was going to affect this. I, I thought it was inevitable. There seemed to be, and I don't know if it's the first time it's ever happened, there was a producer who appeared to to let her know that her parents were on the way. It was quite an unusual moment to, it, it, to see someone who wasn't a presenter and wasn't one of the bakers. It is an unusual moment. I think there've been occasional
0: glimpses of, of runners and so on, but it, it, they're they're quite good at, at, at attempting not to have any of the crew appearing on on camera. But I think this was one of those where one of those moments where it, um, I suppose, it added a little bit to the drama, didn't? It? Well, it
1: did, not you know that. Although the presenters are in the tent a lot, they're not all there a hundred percent of the time, especially on a well, this is one particularly long challenge, but especially on a long challenge. And I think it just go oh, actually it was, wasn't it? It was on the the showstopper day mm. that she found out. So it's a long challenge. You can't expect the presenters to be there all the time. So I think that shows A lot of love from love, if you like, because they didn't want to keep her hanging on any longer to get a presenter to come rushing into the tent and tell her. They just wanted her to know as soon as possible.
2: Exactly. It's because Sandy had been the one a few minutes before in the episode putting her arm around Alice and saying, I will let you know as soon as... Yeah, but then and that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for Sandy to come rushing over and go. She good have, news. She's she could here. have nipped
1: down to Costa for a coffee, Sandy. Yeah. She might not have been on site. You <laughs> see, <She's... laughs>
2: she might not have been there. Um, well, that was Alice's. Let's talk about David's because he he, he had a pretty good week, didn't he? And probably well deserved. All in all, he had this chocolate. Armagnac and prune cake. I did a little bit of research into Armagnac. I didn't know too much about it. Apparently, Howard, it's a distinctive kind of brandy produced in the Armagnac re- region of Gascony, southwest France. Were you aware of that, How is it? i, I had done, much of this.
0: Yes, I have. Because I've got a recipe for um, a Christmas pudding which has got Armagnac in oh. it. And it does have uh, quite often a slightly prunish. Uh, flavour to it That's the kind of Fruity flavour So it goes uh, well So it goes well Yeah I think he just went A bit OTT With I, the almond I Ammoniac,
1: think he, didn't he probably he? did Yes Because yeah. you know There's always well, the worry That you haven't You can't Paul will always say But I can't taste the Whatever the ingredients
2: Well he mm. was holding This bottle and he said, Well, that was full earlier. And I thought, How many cakes have you made? I, yes. I thought exactly this one same. cake. Yeah. It was a bit of an alcohol fueled episode, this, it wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he had obviously gone with also putting in um, 70% cocoa, solid chocolate inside the cake. Hadn't just relied, as Alice had, on, on the cocoa powder. And yeah, I, I, essentially the feedback he got was from Paul looks effective, looks good inside, you know, just too much Armagnac. Prue said, Good shine you know, but she could probably only have a small bit just because of the amount of alcohol, Jane.
1: I think, yeah, there's always the danger when you put alcohol in that you've overdone it and it's, you can always add more. Just keep tasting. I don't know whether... that. The, the, the almoniac yeah, I mean, shouldn't have been too strong in the sponge because by the time you've baked it, a lot mm-hmm. of the alcohol will have burnt off. I would have thought it must have been in the fillings and a bit too much, and and that's probably just rushing in two hours and you just slopped it in and haven't haven't really tasted it. It's a shame because I thought it looked like a lovely lovely cake. If you like chocolate cake, I thought it looked it looked beautiful. But uh, yeah, what, I you- think there's always the danger. Everybody seems to think they need to stick alcohol in everything. To make it yummy, and you don't. I mean, we had gin and mint in Rosie's in the semi-final, and this has been me that went. Oh, it's really fancy gin and mint. Why do we have to put alcohol in absolutely everything to get a good flavour?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. very fair point. Steph, as you mentioned, here went for something probably a little bit safer: black forest chocolate cake. It was certainly a rich cake. It, it was potentially retro. I think was a word used. Coated with a chocolate ganache, cherry jam, and Kirchspike spiked chantilly cream with gold leaf um, gilded cherries. And yeah, ultimately Paul's feedback, three distinctive layers, it worked well together, good balance, a bit crumbly, that was his perhaps criticism there, slightly overbaked, Prue said it looked like it was from the 1970s, old fashioned, but done beautifully and a very good cake. And this perhaps was in line with what we come to expect from Steph Howard, a a, a sort of solid, potentially slightly safer option. Yeah, and
0: I I think that's absolutely fine. If you you take something like that and you're not giving it a particular twist of any description, but you are executing it beautifully. Um it it's it's one approach to doing bakes. It's not the only approach. But I think, you know, if you as I say, if you pull it off, that's great.
1: Can I just say though, know, about yeah. Steph's bake? Um I in previous podcasts I've thought there she has perhaps received positive comments when I haven't always agreed with them. I thought her cake looked stunning. And I, I i don't know about whether it was a bit crumbly or not, because obviously we can't taste it, but I thought it lovely. I, I looked lovely. I don't think it looked old-fashioned. If you have a look at stuff on the internet, there are loads and loads of cakes these days that look like this. I thought it looked beautiful, and I thought her criticism about her decoration and being called old-fashioned in the 70s were unjust in this instance. I thought it was so pretty. I loved the bit of gold on the cherries. I thought it showed restraint on the top. Had all those cream blobs joined up in a complete circle, then I would have said, yes, very 70s. I didn't think it looked very 70s. I thought it looked very 2019, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I want to stand up for Steph on this one.
2: Going into this week's technical, Alice said this could be anything, which, of course, I guess is the uh, the situation every single week. But I think she was trying to say that the fact that it was the final meant this was going to be particularly tough. And it was a short challenge, just 70 minutes long. They had to make twice-baked Stilton soufflés. They were told they must hold shape when turned out of the mould. They need to be delicate and fluffy in texture. Each one must be served with a thin, lavish cracker. The first thing I want you to do for me, Jane, is this a cracker? Or is this a biscuit? Because I seem to they, they, At one point it was. we were told it was a cracker and then the word biscuit was used. Which is it?
1: I don't know. I thought they looked very nice. I, I, I meant to look it up when I was coming up on the train this morning and didn't. I don't know. Cream cracker is a cracker. You don't call it a cream biscuit, do no, you? I mean, no. if you have crackers with cheese... But then you have biscuits with cheese, so I, I don't know. I'm not going to worry about a lavash being a cracker or a biscuit. However, I am going to look them up and have a go, because I thought they looked quite nice.
2: I did. I like mm. that that sort of bubbly texture mm, that I they've got they when, they, interesting. Yeah, when they were doing properly. Yeah. Paul said he wanted everyone to be delicate. He wanted to challenge them, give them something that had a classic feel to it. He was looking for a proud tall souffle with golden brown colour. He wanted them to remember to whisk the egg whites. Must carry some air, he said. And to be delicate with the mixture, because he said they could be underbaked. And he's concentrating, what's the oven. And these lavash biscuits or crackers, whatever they are, he he was pretty keen on this egg whites carrying air and is that ultimately where steph fell down is that why it didn't go right for her Jane?
1: it goes back to the things that we've said all the way through this series there are some things they ought to be able to do and know and i felt that these little souffles perhaps because they're quite retro to do a souffle uh did let them down they should know how to make a mousse and basically you're making a roux flavored with cheese and herbs and whatever and then as making a mousse, you fold your egg whites in. You don't beat the daylights out of them because you then get rid of all the air. People not knowing how to make a roux. Yeah, okay. Does that mean they're not bakers? I don't know. I One of the very, very, very first thing I learned mm. to make as a teenager you know, when I'm not making fairy cakes in my mum or my gran, was a roux, actually, because it's the basis for so many things, for Mm. a white sauce, for a lasagna
2: or... Well, Sandy at one point went over and said, have you never made a... Have you
1: never made a roux? Um, In fact, I made a... A vegetable lasagna for my son, who will be visiting very shortly. And, uh, you know, make a roux, you don't need a recipe. It's just whatever. Yeah. So I am I have been sh- shocked is the wrong word, but I've been disappointed that there have been some quite big holes in some of their knowledge through this series. But they can all make a mousse. We know they can all make a mousse. Just because you're doing it with a roux and not a heap of chocolate doesn't mean the principle changes. You fold the egg white in carefully I think they just all panicked because soufflés have such a bad reputation of failing that they all go, oh, gosh, shock horror. And also the timing, one hour and ten minutes was very, 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 very mean. Mm. But have they not made Delia's twice-baked, rocked-for soufflés? Used to be a staple of dinner parties in the 90s. And, in fact, I might go home and make some myself. Um, and they're yeah. brilliant because you make them. You stick them in the fridge, warm them up, and mm. you've given somebody a souffle. I just think it showed a bit of a gap in their knowledge, gap in, to be honest.
2: Certainly a gap in their knowledge.
1: Rattling on. That's a day on time. Chatting too much. <laughs> Do shut me up, Josh.
2: Howard. I was wondering if they were going to change the rules almost and have Paul and Proust stay for the technical this week because they they seemed to be refusing to go. There was, that was that, strange, wasn't <laughs> it? That's not that a
0: strange thing to do. I think probably they thought, you know, we've we've never we've never done this before, so let let's just
2: do it for the the sheer heck of it. It was. 10th yeah. series novelty maybe the two of them stand <laughs> but but on on that you know, obviously on the lighter note there's no point even me reading out the number we have had probably five people email in the same question um, querying is it realistic for, for Paul and Prue not to know which baker has made which and I guess particularly once you get to the end of the series you've got three people sitting there in front of you one of them looks like they're in tears and you've got one horrendous bake in front of you which is very clear and it seems very hard to believe that that we couldn't identify what's going on, or do you think it's genuinely difficult for them at that point
0: i think I think they might suspect that that is the person who's who's done the the least successful one. I don't think it necessarily really affects the judging of it no I think the good thing is that I don't think that um, you would be favouring or disfavouring anybody just because you can see that somebody is, is a bit distressed. They would, it would focus them, I think, on concentrating on what they're seeing in front of them and making a decision on the basis of that rather than taking anything from what, what the bakers might be doing.
2: Jane, why do you think they do still continuously? I can understand them not going round and doing the well, how are you going about this, especially in a task of 70 minutes, it's too tight why do you feel that it's still necessary is it still necessary for them to leave the tent during a technical
1: Um, well do you know I've never even thought about that as a baker it's quite nice not to have them in the tent when you're Mm. under pressure I must admit you know they come along and they talk to you during a challenge and once they've gone you go oh thank goodness for that I can actually get on with what I'm doing because you're constantly worried that they're going to come up and criticise what you've got on your bench so given that the bakers are under a huge amount of pressure because they nine times out of 10 have never made the bake that's underneath that gingham tablecloth i think it's kinder to have them out of the tent now whether it it is relevant to have them blind judging i don't know i don't mind it i just think yeah. it's i think it adds a little bit of extra je ne sais quoi mm. to the the technical challenge
2: david obviously came through as the winner here howard and uh, it was quite a comfortable victory compared to the the two that were up against him i mean never has it probably been more obvious to have a, a third second and, and first and on david's you know paul said they looked substantial had a nice color there baked through uh prue said they were you know, a really good lovely and thin cracker again i think that I, I think she'd gone from calling it a biscuit to a cracker at this point in the show not a perfect shape um but d- delicious whereas alice had been told that whilst hers had risen they were a bit pale the biscuits were a bit floppy. The souffle, you know, did have some bounce, stable enough, but in the middle it was underbaked. So it was quite a clear victory for David Howard.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's, um, it was well-deserved. I mean, I think sometimes we we look at it, we look at the technical challenge, and you sort of get in the judges telling you um, which one is, is slightly better than another. And I think this was an example where it was, even for the viewer, pretty clear, which one looked the best and which one looked looked the worst
2: for Jane, I remember you you maybe said previously you felt that it was probably between you and Candice by the time you got to the end of the, the final. Steph, at this point, do you think she's thinking... You know, can you pull that around? I mean, she was so far behind the other two in terms of what she'd managed to put in in front of Paul and Prue at this point.
1: Well, going back to her chocolate cake, I didn't think her chocolate cake was yes, very okay. far behind everybody. Mm. Um, I, I, when her poor souffles hit, came out of those molds, my heart really went out to her because it was absolutely nothing she could do about that. Um, so. If I'd been judging it, I wouldn't have put her a million miles behind. Yes, she'd had a bad technical, but I liked her chocolate cake. Um, I still think it was all to play for. And I I just think it was experience in this technical challenge. The thing with a twice-baked souffle is you have to make sure it's cooked the first time. It's not actually baked the second time all they're doing is really glazing it with a bit of cream and parmesan. Basically, you're warming it through the second time and making sure that parmesan goes a mm. bit brown. So it's it's kind of a misnomer. And I think if you've never made a souffle or you've never made a twice baked, then oh, yes, yeah, so I'm so rattling on about souffles. I do love a good twice baked. Uh, but um, I don't think she was a million miles behind by my judging. But I then don't think she had fair chat. Fair comments necessarily on her chocolate cake. I still think it was all to play for.
2: G- going into the break, Steph said that she wanted to find the the baking fairies. How have you, what's your experience with the baking fairies? Did they were they with you during your series on Bake Off? <laughs> <laughs> Steady,
0: Howard. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there was there was one particular occasion where I think in in Biscuit Week where I something. The, the biscuit tower that I'd done uh, had never well I'd only done it once at home and the luck was on my side on that day. Um, I can't recall another occasion <laughs> where I didn't feel that that things had gone worse in the tent than they had done at home. so I think if they are if they are baking prairies, I don't think they're always very kind.
1: Oh, I would say that they, they don't live in the tent. No. I don't think no. under any circumstances those fairies <laughs> live in the tent.
2: So yes Steph wanted to find the baking fairies. Alice felt she'd had a clumsy day and needed to do better the following day and David was talking about how it was going to be a really high pressure day because that's the day that, that family and friends were going to attend for the, uh, for the showstopper. In terms of this showstopper challenge then, 30th challenge out of 30 for the three of them on what must feel like a, an exhausting journey and they still had four and a half hours to go and I remember Jane you said your final challenge was a full five hours mm, it was
1: so yes a, a particularly it long... goes by in a flash though five hours you could do six and still not have enough time <laughs> yeah. sometimes
2: just especially if you want to nip out and get the applause of everyone who's uh, who's watching you you
1: do need a toilet break when in a long challenge <laughs> yes, like I that. should, <laughs> should <laughs> imagine
2: yeah. so This week's episode of The Bakedown is in association with our friends at Seed and Bean Chocolate. Seed and Bean truly live on the wilder side of taste, creating adventurous, botanically-inspired flavours using only 100% organic ingredients. If you head to their website at seedandbean.co.uk, you'll receive 25% off your purchase using the code THEBAKEDOWN when you check out. And so to the final challenge, to make a deliciously deceptive feast in the form of a picnic basket and its contents. The feast must contain elements made from cake, enriched bread and biscuits. Items in the basket should deceive the eye, made of one kind of food but look like another. Wanting exceptional creativity and technical skills. And uh, Paul reiterated it was all about deception. Making a cake, for example, look like a banana. That was an example he gave. Uh, must taste and look fantastic. Proust said... We want to see them use everything they've learnt for this one showstop. We want good bread, cake and biscuits. This was a hell of a challenge, Jane.
1: Yes, it was one hell of a challenge, I think. Um, A lovely challenge. I would have really, really liked this challenge. I thought it was... Interesting. It was everything we love to see about Bake Off. But more importantly, I think it was something that we could all attempt at home. Uh, some of the challenges in the past I felt at home, we might sit there going, "Oh OK, but it's all very nice, but we're never going to do it. Some of these things, I think, are, are things that you might want to do at a, you know, at a party or something to to create an illusion. I thought it was lovely. I thought it was a very, very good challenge at the end. And I have been critical of some of the challenges, but not, not this... All the challenges I think for this um, this final I thought they were lovely
2: David remained the calmest I would say Howard throughout this At no point did he seem flustered And, and they, Paul was sitting there next to Prue at one point And made that observation Just saying how chilled David looked And he just had this all under control throughout And, and ultimately maybe it wasn't such a surprise By the time we got to towards the end of the show but I thought there was a, a comment interest, that was interesting there from Prue that she wanted all three to do well because once you've got mm-hmm. to that stage, you you don't want anyone to feel like they didn't turn up and do their best on the day because if you do your best and someone else does better, you can probably accept that. But, you know, this obviously leads us on to talking about Steph and it, and it just wasn't her day.
0: No, it wasn't. I mean, I, I think just, just reiterating what, what Jane said, I would have loved this, this challenge too. Um, I think you've got to admire the way that, that David, um, particularly when he's working on that, that basket, and he said, oh, I've not, not really worked out how this handle's going to fit. And he, he just sort of puts it together and it just works perfectly. It's like, wow, amazing, incredible. But, um, I yeah, mean- so uh, I, think, I think, yeah, Steph, she had some some good elements to that, but but some bits which just weren't working as well as she would have liked, the macarons, I think.
2: And the burger looked good. But then we were told it, you know, that it was the flavour that, that had some problem. But it looked clever.
0: Yeah, it was clever. I, I think if there was any criticism from my point of view, I would have loved to have seen them doing a little bit more with with the flavours as well as the illusion that you could have done something that had a very... You know, like if you were doing um, a cake that looked like a pork pie or something, that it had apples or sage or something in there. So you were playing about with with not only the illusion of of how this thing looks, but also the flavours of, of that. I think the Scotch eggs um, that um, I think Alice had got uh, were great because I think it was... It, it was very clever that you were doing something that had that, that kind of cream cheesy kind of look to it, almost savoury, but not quite savoury, lemon in oh, there. would you be
1: like pork buttercream or something in the, no, in the lemon cake? I have pork <laughs> 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 I
0: have had pork, I have had, um, I, I think it was, is it uh, prime minister do uh, um, an apple ice cream with pork scratchings on her or something? Oh, like that salty,
1: salty crunchiness might yeah, go quite nicely. Yeah, actually, that's quite nice. Why well, do dogs like pork scratchings? It's the only <laughs> way we can get them in a the pub.
2: <laughs> well, well, once um, Steph had seemingly not been going down quite the path that she wanted, I guess as a viewer, it became fairly obvious the winner was going to come from either um, Alice or David and, and Jane. If we just look at Alice's for a minute. She did use alcohol again. She turned the Prosecco into these jellies, had strawberries made out of raspberry flavoured macarons, orange and cardamom ice cream, bread buns and pork pies, chicken drumsticks, and those scotch eggs that Howard mentioned made out of this carrot cake. Um, There were some really uh, impressive um, elements to hers, and and Paul ended up saying that he thought it was, you know, an exceptional and, and overall quite an impressive. Um, illusion with the scotch eggs that you believe that they were you know like an actual egg and paul said that he loved the orange and, and cardamom bread buns good texture very clever and overall a, a very good effort and um i i guess it was just unlucky for her that someone in, ended up having a slightly better day
1: well i think she did a great job i just question why both she and steph made macarons when they clearly and clearly that's that sounds unkind but it's not their best biscuit that they could have done um i i, I think she let herself down with the biscuits but i think on on the whole i thought hers looked lovely i thought she did a, put a load of work in i i'm not sure we knew in our year how to use one of those spray guns because dyeing up that white fondant cupboard cake to look like a pork pie i thought was brilliant. I thought it yeah. looked really, really good. Um, I thought it was very clever. But just bear in mind, they haven't had much time to practice this. Um, the carrot cake, well, the, the Scotch eggs—they all raved about the Scotch egg, but it just did look as though it was piped. I think they could have; she could have probably smoothed those out a little bit more. Maybe mm. put it in a mold. So maybe if she'd molded it and then put it in when it was chilled. I don't know. Um, but I think on the whole, she did an amazing job—a huge amount of work done in the time. They all made alcohol jellies, didn't they? Was that part of the brief? Well,
0: I—I I thought—I must admit I was a bit confused because I saw them pouring out alcohol at the beginning oh. and i thought well that's going to go flat by the end why are they pouring out the champagne I'd, or whatever exactly and then i re- it wasn't until later that i realized that they were jellies yeah
1: i'm exactly the same i thought that's you haven't got your priorities right if you're pouring out your alcohol <laughs> at the start of your challenge Yeah, you know, that, <coughs> that's my that's my drinks done I thought well I'm sorry you've got rather a lot to do <laughs> um, yeah and so it made sense once we realised they were jellies at the end but uh, no I thought Alice did I thought Alice did a, a tremendous job I mean poor Steph it was obvious at that stage that she probably was not going to be in the running especially on, on the top of the technical um, but I it's still quite hard at this stage and we haven't talked about David it's quite hard once you'd seen Alice's to think that she wasn't going to be in the running I thought she was still in the running definitely
2: in the running Mm. and and she had I guess if they were going to look at previous weeks she would she'd be the one that had come out star baker on a couple of occasions but let's talk about davy's peachy picnic because ultimately this is what led to him becoming the bake-off champion for for series 10 He, he as you mentioned had these boozy fruit cup jellies peaches made out of lightly spiced bread lemon pound cake cheeses fig rolls that looked like savory sausage rolls and Paul said it looked amazing, stunning. That the basket, as Howard mentioned, was really clever and, and great. Um, the fig rolls and the cheese, incredible. And ultimately, had come up with something very clever. Um, and, and Prue said much the same. That she loved the the, the flavors, and particularly that the saffron, which he'd been criticised for in previous mm. week with his spices. That that finally, uh, Prue and Paul thought this had this had come good. Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, I, I loved so many different elements about this. I loved the fact, uh, from a point of view of, of a baker, the fact that you could invest in individual little items and then pull them all together. And I think he put so much effort into each of those and considered really carefully um, how to to do each of the elements. I felt as well there was a little bit of me in that as well, because uh, thinking back to my series, I did, I, I think it was Sweet Dough Wheat. I did what were called peachy buns. So they were little brioche buns that were made to look like peaches. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's quite nice. Actually, there's, there's somebody else having a go at some peachy buns as well.
2: Yeah.
1: You, you inspired him. <laughs> yeah. he probably how... Watched, watched yeah, your episode
2: and was inspired to, to make it part of that. Jane, by the time you'd, you'd seen that feedback, given to David by Paul and by Prue, did you think at this point?
1: Mm, I, I'm afraid I did. I, I He was just amazing. I, Howard said all the little details, well, the way he... He didn't seem to fuss about that nougatine box at all. It just all stuck together beautifully in the, oh, I've never made a handle before. And then he put things on to cover the joins and even sprayed the initials of Prue and Paul on the side, just thinking of those little details. That's what lifted it above Alice. It's the little details he put in. He made that checked tablecloth serviette, hmm. whatever you want to call it what did he make that out of was that made out of um, I thought it was, was a, was a bit fondant? Of fondant was it fondant yeah. yeah and stamped it out I think you couldn't criticise him for leaving anything out he just thought about the tiniest tiniest details the cheeses look fantastic he had three cheeses there. he had a blue cheese he had a cheddar and he had a edam didn't he with the red skin on it um I'm so glad, happy for him. I mean, I always used to joke that I only got Star Baker week one and then I was going to get it in week 10. Well, clearly I wasn't a very good prophet because I really didn't get it in week 10. But, you know, for him to to go all the way through being so close and then to get his nose over the line in the final... As much as I loved everybody else, I think he has been the consistent baker all the way through and his knowledge has dragged him through on some difficult bakes, but this this was outstanding,
2: mm-hmm. I thought. As we went into the final couple of minutes of the show, Paul had said this is going to be between Alice and David and when they went to Steph on one of the, the VTs, she said she was proud of beyond, and it was unfortunate that she'd saved her worst till last as as she felt it maybe it had been one too many weeks long this show uh, and that david felt he'd done done his best and and was happy no matter what jane just give us an insight into into those moments where you're going out into the big outside area and you've got everyone looking at you but you mean at that point you you don't know who's won Do you find out at the same time as everyone else or did you have an inkling that I think
1: think if you're in the tent, you have an inkling. Don't forget when we're watching as viewers at home, we just get the edited highlights. Now, they could be building up the tension so that you're not 100% sure whether it's, in this instance, Alice or David, because they want that dramatic tension so that when the winner is announced, everybody goes, oh, that's fantastic. Certainly in the tent, for me... We pretty much knew that Andrew hadn't won it. Um, And I pretty much knew that Candice had got it. I failed to get a chocolate collar on. Um, I would have put a chocolate collar on my chocolate cake in this if I'd done this one. Um, Oh, I didn't get my chocolate collar on. We were quite close. And I still believe that if I'd got my chocolate collar on, I would have just pipped Candice. But that was the final straw. And as much as you're out there hoping that you've misread it, I knew in my heart of hearts that I hadn't won. And I was very happy for Candice. She was astounding all the way through her series. Um, I suspect in the tent um, this, well, this week, you know, this week's episode, that they knew that David had won. I don't think that would have come as a surprise because he, he didn't seem to put a foot wrong. To me, to be honest, apart from a little bit heavy handed with his armagnac. Um, but uh, I, it's awful going outside with all your friends who, and family who don't know cheering you on. And thinking yeah, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs>
0: yeah, because that's you a don't, horrible feeling. You don't get the chance, do you, to go up and speak to them very much really before the announcement. You couldn't <laughs> say, "I don't think it's me." Well, or... you
1: could, but you don't want to ruin it no. for them either. Um, because if you do say, "Oh, I don't think it's going to be me," um, they'll go, "Oh, god, you're just being you're just being modest." So you just go out, and you're pleased to see them. You're relieved to get out of the tent, and it. It's joyous because you're meeting some of the other bakers that you haven't seen for 10 weeks either or eight weeks or nine weeks or however
2: long it is. Mm. And does it turn into a little tea party? Or did you stick around? You had to do more video?
1: Well, you do have to do more videoing because once the winner is announced, there's lots of filming to do then um and for us it was quite late and it had started to rain so everybody sort of drifts away and then you've got to pack up all your stuff it would be lovely to say that they broke out the champagne and we all danced till dawn but we didn't
2: (laughs) howard when you went back did you have an inkling that francis was going to be announced the winner before you you found out did you get any vibe from the from the three of them as they came out the tent i think they went um I, I didn't.
0: I didn't get a vibe. I think just on the basis of having seen the three of them over the the, the weeks that i had been in the tent, I I remember being interviewed and them saying, "Who do you think it is going to be?" Which they do. I think to all the bakers, they say, "Who who who do you think?" And I said, "I couldn't call it, but my heart was with Francis." So. Um,
2: I think... uh, Diplomatic answer. Yeah. We saw Michael do the same thing. I think when he Mm. was asked in this week's episode, he just said, I hope all of them, you know, I wish all of them the the very best. It was impossible for him to choose. David winning meant that for the fifth year in a row, someone in their 30s has won. But uh, David, you know, following Rahul, Sophie, Candice, Nadia... Do you think there's a, a a particular type of person that's likely to become a big champion or could still come from any age demographic at all just it seems to be we we've had sort of very closely aged together winners for 5 years now and if you go back even to to France it's, that's you know six of the last seven winners aged between 30 and 36 when they've gone on the show mm. I don't know I hadn't thought about it like that
0: but I think it I, I think it's it's the culmination of a number of things so I think the fact that uh, if you've got the energy and the commitment and the basic uh, understanding of, of certain techniques and the creativity and also a bit of luck along the way. Um, so I think it could go, I think it could go anywhere. I think it it's possible to still be an, an older baker and win.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, obviously we didn't have many older bakers this year. Uh, I think in your 20s, twin- 20s, like some of our really young bakers, they I think it's been noticeable that they're lacking in experience in some directions of, of baking. Um, I think by the time you get in your 30s, if you're a keen baker, you will have tried a lot of stuff. And I think that stands you in good stead. I think us older bakers, and I, good lord, I'm, I'm certainly one of those. Yeah, I think we've certainly got it in us to do it as long as we've got the stamina and the the enthusiasm. Yeah, stick me in the tent again next year, and I'll give it a good good go. I I love seeing some of these young bakers. I think it's incredibly encouraging. There is, we come in for a lot of criticism from some quarters about how we shouldn't be encouraging people to eat so much sugar. And I think we do have a responsibility in a way for many things, you know, helping to cut down on cling film, um, to, to eat as healthily as we can. However, it's a, it's a baking show. Um, and if young people are encouraged to attempt baking because of the show, then they will automatically go on to cook. And I think if we're encouraging people to cook, they are then taking responsibility for what they're eating and what they're putting into their bakes and what they're putting in their bodies and will automatically take a responsibility Mm. for their own health none of them were overweight in this show and yet they're all very keen cooks and bakers and from what they were saying that i don't like pastry i don't like desserts i don't like this they're clearly cooking because they're very good with their flavors so i think we should carry on doing what we're doing be mindful of the influences we have but if we're influencing any young people to cook, I would settle for seeing all young people every year Um, if it means that we're going to start a new generation of cooks Mm. going. And I I don't think we should take too much criticism for the sugar angle. I would like to see less waste. I'd like to see some of those challenges be a bit more creative in the future. But I don't think we do a bad job if we have all these 20 to 30-year-olds picking up their rolling pin and starting to cook. I think we're doing a pretty Mm. good
2: job. Very well said, Jane. And Howard, it is time to come to you for the final time have you saved a wonderful hump for last? I don't know if it's a wonderful
0: hump, but I, I have got a final hump. It was just... Uh, I, I know we're so relieved in, in in some respects that it was... We were able to see that it should have been David winning and David won. So that's, that's great. But I did find Sandy's interjection uh, when they were making that final decision before the announcement... And uh, so Sandy's summary with an edge. She said to Paul, may I remind you that his signature was not your favourite? This is talking about David. If you're looking overall, Alice has been very steady in every single challenge. And I thought, that's nice, Sandy, but what on earth has it got to do with you pointing that out? You know, I just think she is not the witness for the prosecution or or the... Uh, Oh. All the defence, really. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why. I, I do hope this is not going to be something that is going to happen in future. That's all I can say. Where, <laughs> where the presenters start to get involved in directing how the judging should go, um, and I shall leave it at that. Well, <laughs> Jane, any thoughts?
1: I, I. I can understand why Sandy would say that because the presenters are in the tent with people a lot and they form a really close bond with the bakers. So maybe she felt the need. I I agree they're not the judges and that's why we're allowed to have them in the tent a lot and we're Mm. allowed to chat with them because they have no influence over the uh, the result because they're You know, they're very, very keen on making sure that there is no favouritism. So, yeah, perhaps perhaps a reasonable hump, Howard, I do see that. But knowing that Sandy is such a warm person, I can see also why she would have said it. But perhaps it shouldn't have been
0: shown. I think I would have felt more aggrieved, more humped by it, had Debbie not won. Uh, because then I, I would have thought, felt as if I, I was being directed to a different point of view to the one that I was, was coming up with. I,
2: I wonder if it was more interjected to then as a viewer make you think, oh, Possibly. maybe this is going back towards Alice having thought yes. for the last 10, 15 minutes as I was watching that this was going towards David that that comment from Sandy almost put a bit of doubt in my mind yeah. about where we're going. So I wonder if it was included to drama. to put that back build in Build the
1: drama, build the tension.
2: Jane, for the final time, Judge Jane was <sighs> the correct winner chosen. I sense you're going to say yes, David was the correct winner.
1: No, I don't think he should have won. Yes, of <laughs> course, I thought he should have won. I've loved David. Oh, I've loved it a lot. All of them, really, from the start. But David has been the most consistent, um, slightly robbed on occasions, I think. On the day, he was the best baker. And that's how you have to judge it. And I think he was astounding. And I'm delighted for all of them. What a fantastic series. What a fantastic group of bakers. And at the end of the day, I think the right person was crowned Star Baker. For the first time.
2: Star Baker. And winner. And winner for the first time. Howard, you're, you're in agreement there?
0: I am in agreement. When I think back at some of the kind of highlights of this series, and I'm thinking about David's. Um, wonderfully understated biscuit bouquet, those fabulous masks that he did.
1: Oh, I loved his masks. Yes.
0: And I think, you know, and, and then to culminate in this wonderful final showstopper, I think he's given us some absolutely stunning rage.
1: He's been so creative as well, and it hasn't always come off, but he has thought outside the box and presented some things that we've never seen before. I know the masks didn't work 100% but I they still are one of the standout things of the series for me Um, and that's what you want you want somebody who makes you think and pushes you a little bit harder in your own baking and he's certainly done that for me and I think he's a very very worthy winner and and neat I I think he comes he gets he gets a gold star for neatness as well
0: yeah my my only other hump is that nobody
2: should look that
0: good in the Bake Off tent
2: (laughs) 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 So, Jane, just one final question for months you 've had to hold on to this secret. Friends have seen you go week after week, getting further and further. finally, the finals on air on the evening what 's it like in the morning after in those first few days after it 's been on air and the nation has watched
1: well it 's a bit of a whirlwind for us we We watched it um just the finalists watched it with family, first of all, in the morning. And then we went off and recorded The Extra Slice because it's all very secret. And then we all went off and, and watched it again at Selassie's. There was a huge party. So we'd, you know, had the most whirlwind of a day. Great party. And then we all went back to a hotel and then we had a book signing tour. So for us, it was... It was a, I remember from the hotel walking to meet my daughter for a cup of coffee and then walking back to the hotel because we were going off, I don't know, to Birmingham to sign books the next day or something. And this woman leapt out at me (laughs) from a bus stop and she's this fantastic singer called Rachel who is now in Hamilton and was in The Bodyguard, fantastic voice. And she was there at the bus stop with her mum and leapt out at me. Now, this woman has a real talent and I just baked a bit. But she was so excited <laughs> at, at, because Bake Off has that effect on people. So we felt like we were stars and we were sort of sort of shepherded onto trains and had wonderful taxis drive us all over the place we really did have a good five minutes of fame and it's very joyous very very joyous I loved every minute of it and I loved doing it with Andrew and Candice because by that time they were really we were all really good friends um, and still are Um and it look look at me I'm beaming
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: just
1: thinking back to it yeah. um, it was just Absolutely brilliant! Yeah. Well, brilliant.
2: Look, we're sure that um, this morning, as uh, as David and Alice and Steph are all uh, readjusting to, to life as Bake Off finalists, but we we wish them all every success. I'm sure it is a bit daunting life after Bake Off, but uh, we wish them every success and look forward to seeing what opportunities they're going to take advantage of now that that the, the invariably become available to them. How would any concluding thoughts before we wrap up here? Where does this series rank in uh, in all time series for you?
0: Oh well,
2: it, there's
0: there's a difference between watching it and being in it. So I think uh, having been in in my series, <laughs> my series, the experience of that is always going to be different to actually watching one on on TV. But I think this has been a really good series. I've loved it. I think I think it's been great. And I suppose my only final thought is: Can we do it again next year?
2: Well, I think the contract's been done. I think Bay Coffee's certainly around for at least the next two years if I if I remember correctly. I think you meant, meant us. Can, can we do, we do can this? we do it? Oh, again we? Of course, well, we're absolutely hugely delighted. We can
0: get sponsored by Costa.
2: <laughs> that's a great shout we, What
0: a good idea we, we, that's,
2: a, that's a great shout we'll, we'll, we'll do that We can record from different costers yeah. Around the country It could be like a tour I Go to your local one in Sheffield <laughs> Come to Costa in St can Pancras trend. Which means would be a, The Bake Down on tour uh, well, We'd love to do that But if you do want to see Howard or Jane Or any of the other Bake Off alumni Ahead of that time, apart from heading to Acosta, you can guarantee that you'll see a Bake Off star if you come to some of the Bake With a Legend classes that are taking place um, predominantly in London, but we've also got some uh, that can be lined up in uh, in Brighton and Manchester, so do check out the website. Um, you can continue to email us. I, w- I will reply. I won't be able to talk about it on air, but we really do hope... I, I just personally want to offer my huge thanks to Jane and to Howard, who have given up their time every single week to to do this podcast. For the many of you who have taken time to leave reviews or to email, we're we're hugely grateful for the many listeners we've had in America. We hope to uh, meet you all in person or at some point come out to America and, and do some classes there. Uh, and that's that it's been an enjoyable series 13 lovely people and look we hope to see some of them in the future at bait with aging classes as well or at a local costa or at yeah. local costa so um that is all thank you so much for listening and uh, we do very much hope to be back next year so do keep us on your itunes and uh hopefully some new episodes will land around next august see you later